The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Life Sciences, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in a digital world to improve health outcomes and enhance global health with a focus on patients and caregivers. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely positively in the right place. This is our newest series, Episode 2, Changing the Game in Life Sciences. It's about time we had a series focused on this because it's important. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Okay, I have a quote from a gentleman named Rahul Yoshi, J-O-S-H-I, who writes in EnterpriseInnovation.net, and I found the following quote. Listen up. All verticals are experiencing an explosion of data, but in healthcare and especially the life sciences field, the scale of this explosion is staggering. Okay, I gave you the buzzword life sciences, but we also added data and staggering. So what are we talking about here? Increasing regulations, decreasing margins. Well, that's a problem. Industry consolidation and process digitalization are disrupting business models that have been established for a while in the life sciences field. But while they're disrupting it, they don't have a clear path to the future. So industry leaders may be scratching their heads. They may be awake at night saying, well, what are we going to do? We want to go ahead. We want to survive. We want to thrive. We want to take our businesses where no man, woman, child, or robot has yet to go. So what do we do? Well, here's the answer. Create new value, that's the goal in business, by digitalizing the model and the supply chain. That's the business model. Make factories smart, collaborate as ecosystems, and speed up innovation to improve health outcomes and reduce the cost of care. Oh my, in an ideal world, wouldn't this all be a beautiful thing? Well, it's possible, but you do need that roadmap on where to start. So we have a panel of three experts who are going to help us figure this out. Let me just tell you who they are, and then we'll get started. First up, of course, we're welcoming back Joe Miles, Global VP of Life Sciences at SAP. He is the sponsor of this series, and we do a shout-out to his colleague, Michelle Schuf, who works on it with him, and Joe will be joined today by Sean Broderson, the global CTO of the SAP practice at HCL Technologies, and it was my great pleasure to speak with Sean Broderson back in May, I think it was, at uh, Sapphire, SAP Sapphire now, in Orlando, Florida. He's on today, and joining us is a newcomer. Rasmus Neeland, he's the Vice President, Life Sciences and General Manager, International Operations at NNIT, A slash S. And when we get around to Rasmus, he will tell us all about his company. So there we have it. Joe Miles is up first. Joe has sent me a quote from Albert Einstein. I have to tell you, Joe, this is Einstein week on Game Changers Radio. I think on the other three shows I did this week, everybody's quoting Einstein. So I don't know if his hair is getting even bigger, but his head probably is. Here's the quote. 
The world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. It cannot be changed without changing our thinking. Sounds logical. Joe Miles, how are you? I'm doing fine, Bonnie. Good to hear your voice as always. Well, that's very kind of you. I must say ditto, ditto. You're, you're my, my link here, my anchor for life sciences. So, come on, what is Einstein really saying? I'm talking about redoing the business models, the supply chain, becoming collaborative in the ecosystem. How does his quote apply to all of this good advice, Joe? Well, I think Einstein's a smart man, and uh, you know many people quote him, but uh, I think the, the, the essence there was um, things are changing very rapidly, and, and I think in his time, the same as, as our time, is technology, process, um, this massive transformation that's going on, and, and the digital transformation being really almost the tip of the spear relative to that. So organizations are really looking at the emergence of new technologies, emergence of new business models, and really examining their models and how do they how do they disrupt the marketplace what what how can they uh just transform the user experience or customer experience how do they transform the nature of their products and the way that their products interact with their with their physicians or with their patients or with their uh customers of different sorts um and it's just a remarkable time as we're seeing it uh, you know if you just think about the fact that the iphone has been around now for about 10 years and the transformation mm-hmm. we've simply made just because of that one device let alone you start to look at the the advances that we've done in the genomics area with oncology and with diabetes, and it continues to just transform. Um, and I think that's really showing itself in in uh, new new business models, which are getting competitive advantages for for organizations, but at the same time, providing levels of care and and treatments and therapies that are really uh, attacking long held uh, just terrible diseases that now we actually have an opportunity to uh, to help people get back on the healthy path you know after dealing with some of these um, these traumatic illnesses Thank you, Joe. And and before I move on to the opening quote from Sean, also Einstein and Rasmus, I want to ask you a question, Joe. Can we level set for the audience, please? Life sciences, it sounds like a very big title, a very big category. Exactly what are we talking about here? What are life sciences today? Well, there's a... Some companies may vary, but from our perspective, we focus on the manufacturers for the most part. Uh, that would not include providers. Um, some cases that would in, not. In some cases that includes wholesalers, but primarily the anyone who's manufacturing a drug or a product, whether it be biological, uh, biologic or a, or a pharmaceutical product, um, and all of the different iterations of uh, medical device uh, products. And you know, categorically speaking, it's probably sm- it is smaller than other groups like retail or consumer products or, or those types of industries. Um, and we probably have a smaller number of customers, but we certainly have a, a, you know, as great of an influence um, both on society and on, in the business world. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciate that. Now let's go to my, my new old friend, Sean Brodison. It was so nice to meet you and speak with you at Sapphire, Sean. And Sean has also selected a quote from Einstein. I told you it's Einstein Week. And here we go. Here's the quote. If you always do what you always did, you will always get what you always got. Sean, I think that's a paraphrase of his quote on insanity, uh, doing the same thing and expecting different, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. How are you, Sean Brodison? Welcome officially to Game Changers Radio. Hey, Bonnie. I'm good, thanks. Um, how are you? 
Thank you for asking. Very kind of you. I'm well, thank you. Happy to have you here. We did a little mini interview at Sapphire. It was so nice to meet you. And here we are. Joe now has his own series he's sponsoring with me. And uh, it just was perfect that you come on and talk about this. So you picked another quote from Einstein. I think you all have a a key to the locker room at the Einstein (laughs) Society or something. I don't know. (laughs) Next time we don't do Einstein quotes at all, Joe Miles. Anyway, so this is a really interesting quote. But my question to you, Sean, is if life sciences, I think the way we're looking at it is fairly new industry, how does doing things over again the way you always did getting what so, – so what's the history here? Give me a relationship between the quote and what we're talking about today, the business models. Well, I, I think that there's um, two really interesting meanings uh, to this quote. You know, the, the, the first one, as it implies, is about uh, change, right, and that – you know, in order to change, in order to transform, you have to do something different. You have to think differently. You need to apply your knowledge in a different way. Uh, you need to be creative. You need to even look outside your own, uh, you know, known sphere, right, for um, ideas uh, and innovation uh, to spur that, to spur that creativity and change. The other side of it, the flip side of it, is actually, you know, in highly regulated industries like life sciences. Um, there's a certain uh, comfort and a certain requirement to do things in a very consistent and repeatable fashion um, because it's a validated industry and we want validated outcomes. We don't want to get the wrong drugs to the wrong patients, the wrong devices to the wrong patients, etc. And so I think that you know, the quote is really interesting and very appropriate for today's topic because you know, what we're talking about is change, but we're also talking about guarantees of outcomes. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I like the breadcrumbs so I can I can find my way. I appreciate that, Sean. Sean, how's everything been since we met at Sapphire? Everything good for you? And we'll talk about your company in a minute. But anything new you want to tell me? Oh, no. Things have been, um, have been really great. Very exciting time uh, in, uh, in the industry right now. A um, lot of conversations along the lines of what we're having here this morning about what is the impact of digital transformation to, to me, to my company, what steps should I be taking. So a real pleasure to be back with you here, uh, here today. I think we, we talked about blockchain there at Sapphire a couple of times with, uh, with Ryan and, and company, and um, there, there may even be some applicability for that here today. Well, that's interesting. I've already done two shows focused on blockchain this week, so maybe we will get that word into the conversation. Thank you, Sean. And now let me introduce our newcomer, brand new newcomer. It's Rasmus Neeland, VP Life Sciences and General Manager, International Operations at NNIT. And Rasmus has sent us a quote, brand new quote. Never heard of this gentleman before. Professor Emeritus James March from the Stanford Business School. Let me give our listeners a little background, Rasmus, before I read the quote. James Gardner March, born 1928 in Cleveland, Ohio, is the Jack Steele Parker Professor Emeritus at Stanford University and Stanford Graduate School of Education, best known for his research on organizations and behavioral theory of the firm and organizational decision-making. Sounds interesting. Uh, he started out, I have to read this, uh, Rasmus, I was surprised. In 1972, he worked with Johan Olson and Michael D. Cohen on the systemic anar- anarchic perspective of organizational decision-making known as the garbage can model. I just had to toss that out. I'm sorry, Rasmus. It was in the bio. <laughs> so he, <laughs> We might do a show on that, Joe Miles. I don't know if that's life sciences. Here is the quote Rasmus has selected from Professor March. The critical concerns of leadership 
are not technical questions of management or power. They are fundamental issues of life. Oh, my, Rasmus, that's a big quote. How are you, Rasmus Delinda? Welcome to Game Changers. Thank you very much for the invitation, both Joe and, and Bonnie. And, uh, and how are you? Glad very well. Joe, we have such a polite panelist panel. Everybody's asked me how I am, and it's good to hear my voice. This is this is wonderful. You're all invited back automatically. Very kind of you, Rasmus. Tell me about this quote. How does this quote relate to life sciences? It's a big quote, a really an it's important a, it's quote. A, it's, yeah, it, it's a big quote, and um, but I also think that the life sciences industry is, is big. I mean, and 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 the, the changes that we're facing in the life sciences industry right now, with the amount of data and the new insight into how we engage with patients and uh, what is the new digital products that we can uh, we can develop uh, with uh, combining devices, uh, diagnostics uh, devices, together with the uh, with the drugs and services and lifestyle habits, etc. That is going to change a lot, and uh, for for that, I think. Uh, leadership is needed. Leadership is, is needed in, in, in different uh, senses, uh, especially in the life sciences industry where we are focusing so much on, on patient safety, patient uh, efficacy, and the concerns of, uh, yeah, of the human beings. And we need a leadership principle that also can uh, encapsulate that. And I think there we, in James Marsh, we have one of the most inspirational thinkers uh, and he, he focused on imagination as a, as a fundamental issue, uh, on joy as a fundamental issue, and on commitment as a fundamental issue. And I think both commitment and especially imagination is needed right now in the life sciences industry to imagine what is then the future. Is it going to be a technology-driven future, and are the drug uh, producers today going to be kind of reduced to, to back in, in the value chain and uh, Google and the likes are going to take over as platforms to, towards the patient. That mm-hmm. requires a lot of imagination how we can realize the benefits of the, of the digitalization and at the same time the commitment to the, uh, to the passion for the patient. Very, very interesting. I like the way you put in uh, commitment and imagination. Very interesting. And and that comes back to the quote, of course, fundamental issues of life. Thank you very much, Rasmus. It's a pleasure to have you on. And now we're going to do our little up-close-and-personal segment. So we're going to circle around the table to Joe Miles. And, Joe, you know the drill, so let's set the pace for our guests. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Number one, where are you right now, Joe? I think you might be on the road and hope you're safe. And number two, what's in your cup? today if you're drinking something interesting if not tell me what you would love to be drinking can be any kind of beverage something that makes mr joe miles smile smiles and smiles for miles there you go so joe tell me well i'm in uh excuse me i'm in suburban chicago uh in my uh, in my home base uh, area which is always nice i've been traveling quite a bit so it's a, a little bit of a refreshing uh, change to be in my uh, neighborhood um i normally like to have uh some Usually some uh, green tea, maybe some black tea, a little jolt in the morning for some caffeine. I don't have anything right now, but uh, typically what really puts a smile on my face is a nice porter, um, a glass of a nice uh, stiff porter, maybe even an imperial stout, um, especially on a nice fall day, is always a, uh, puts a puts a big smile on my face typically. And what is a porter? Tell me, what is that? A porter is... Um, is uh, more than an ale, but not quite a stout, and uh, is a uh, is a, a very robust beer that uh, typically has uh, some uh, really good flavors to it. Uh, typically, and uh, 
and uh, usually it's just a nice, uh, nice smooth uh, beer to take the edge off after a long day. Very, very interesting. I actually Googled it. What's the difference between, Joe, you know me by now. Nothing gets past. <laughs> What's the difference between porter and stout? And there is a website called readykidsallaboutbeer.com. And if you put what's dash, the dash, difference dash, between dash, porter dash, and dash stout, it will come up and they say roasted barley. That's the usual explanation. Unfortunately, the story is total. The British word is bollocks, and we know what that is. The true tale is more complicated, more confusing, and much more fun going back to 18th century London. Joe, I'm going to let you look this up and do a white paper on this. This is too much for radio, but thank you very much for the for instigating my, my uh, instant fact check there. Thank you, Joe Miles. And let's go to Sean Brodus. And, Sean, we do have fun on the show, I warned you. Sean Broderson at HCL Technologies, where are you calling from? today, Sean, approximately, not the exact uh, address, and what are you drinking that makes you smart and smiling, Sean? <laughs> smart and smiling. Well, that's a yes. tall order. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm calling in from Columbia, South Carolina this morning, um, and uh, I generally drink a, a strong cup of coffee every morning. Um, uh, this morning, uh, I happen to have one of, my, one of my favorites, which is a dirty chai. It's uh, really a, a chai uh, latte tea uh, with a double shot of espresso in it. So it's a little bit fattening. I don't I don't drink that uh, too too often. But uh, this morning I thought, well, heck, I'm I'm getting together with Bonnie. I should I should go all the way. Let's get crazy. <laughs> oh my! I won't comment on that. And of course, Sean, I looked it up in Dirty Chai. I have a picture of it here on the Spruce. Like the tree, the spruce.com, dirty chai. Popular coffee shop drink, espresso drink made of a shot of espresso mixed into a chai tea or a masala chai. Usually made with a chai concentrate, steamed milk, and a single shot of espresso. It's a midpoint between a regular latte and a chai tea latte. It can be hot or cold. Cold, dirty chai can be iced or blended. Oh, my. Very interesting. Did I do that right, Sean? Uh, you, you did, except for I had a second. I had a second shot. For I that heard that. <laughs> I heard that. Well, I asked you what made you smart and smiling. It's that extra shot. We know. We know that now. That's the formula for the Broderson Dirty Chai. Thank you very much. And Rasmus, you should be all ready now that you've heard the other examples. Rasmus Neeland, I know we called you. Tell us where you are, and what do you love to drink the most, Rasmus? Yes, I'm. I'm calling from uh, Copenhagen in Denmark, and. Uh, it's afternoon and uh, it's, it's around four o'clock in the afternoon and it's uh, it's autumn now. So I am looking out the window and looking at some very beautiful uh, trees with the leaves uh, and the beautiful colors. And if it if I weren't at work, then I would have um, yeah invited two of my very very best friends uh, to to the show. Uh, that's uh, Pinot and Noir, and then I would have had a, a glass of uh, Chevrolet Chambertin. <laughs> from 2012, but unfortunately I'm at work, so uh, I have what we in Danish call a, a cowboy latte, which is a, uh, a, a, a coffee latte with a triple shot of espresso in. Wow. So we, we've gone past Joe's, uh, we've gone past Joe's double espresso shots in the dirty chai, and now we're up to a cowboy latte. Is that correct, Rasmus? Exactly. I'm trying to look that up in my internet. Here we go. Cowboy. There's a cowboy latte gift shop. I can't believe it. Ah, <laughs> uh, if you go on Yelp, there's a latte at Cowboy Coffee. Let's see. Cow, there's a mug. You can get a cowboy latte mug. 
There are pictures of it and the recipe, uh, two teaspoons of coffee syrup, dark brewed coffee. Oh, my. Very, very interesting. Shop for cowboy coffee. Thank you, gentlemen. This has been really interesting getting to know you segment. I appreciate it. We are, to our listeners, we are having a very serious discussion here on what's happening with the business models in life sciences. So much is going on in that field, an explosion of data, increasing regulations are going up, margins are going down. That's not a good thing. The industry is consolidating. The processes are getting digitized or digitalized, however you want to say it. The business models, as the industry knows it, are being disrupted. What are leaders going to do? You have to create new value, and that's why we're here today. Uh, by the way, Joe Miles, quick comment. I understood from the news that a lot of pharmaceutical factories are located in Puerto Rico, and with the devastation after Hurricane Maria, there are issues with production going forward. Any quick uh, comment on that, Joe? No, it's a, a major concern for, for a lot of people. Uh, people, obviously, in Puerto Rico were very much impacted, and, uh, and so were the businesses over there. There were There's quite a few um, that, are, that are operating. FDA just put out a, a notice earlier this week, actually. They're, they're concerned about particular shortages for some products, given that they're only produced in some of the plants in Puerto Rico. And I know a lot of the companies have some really strong disaster recovery and backup plans, but it's uh, as we all know, it's a pretty difficult situation there right now. So... Hopefully, uh, things will work out okay, but, uh, and, and fuel, which was the key thing, fuel is flowing back to the island, but um, it's, a, it's a challenge right now for a lot of folks, so. It is. Thank you. And you know, I don't usually bring in news stories or definitely not politics into the show, Joe, but I thought it was worth mentioning that pharma had been mentioned on the news in regard to the, the devastation and the challenges of Puerto Rico. So thanks for that commentary. So you know what? My three panelists are working hard. We're going to give them a break, 90 seconds. And by the way, gentlemen... Sean and Rasmus, you don't know me very well, Joe does, but they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and you know why. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here, that's all. So all you're, I have is a cool... You're naturally caffeinated, Bonnie. That, that's it. I'm natu- naturally ca- to tri- triple espresso and a lot of caffeine behind it. Very natural. Uh, I will have a coffee later, but all I ha- I'm allowed to have is water. So I have cool, clear water in a very pretty mug with a pink straw. And Sean, I mentioned this to you. I recently relocated from New York after 35 years in one particular town on Long Island, I relocated to Durham, North Carolina. That's where my office is now. And I'm looking out at another magnificent blue sky with little wisps of white clouds. And it's probably high 60s-ish right now at this time of the morning. And it's just gorgeous here. So that is caffeinating me, the sunshine and the blue sky and the, and the fountain in the backyard. So there we go. So you're listening to Changing the Game in Life Sciences Radio. Very serious topic. How do industry leaders create value? Reimagining the business models. Listen up. We will give you some clues. Our special panelists today are Joe Miles, Sean Broderson, and Rasmus Nealon. And when we come back, before we start the roundtable, I will ask Sean to tell us a little bit about what he does and Rasmus to tell us what he does in his company. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're going to be back and you know it. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. From an integrated digital core to a digital health sciences network, SAP simplifies collaboration across the value chain to enhance global health in new and innovative ways. Changing the game in life sciences brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges and cutting-edge technologies to help you digitally transform for an improved focus on the patient and the caregiver. 
Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top industry and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the digital economy is shaping the future of life sciences. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game in Life Sciences, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game in Life Sciences. Thank you very much, and we are back. We're back talking about reimagining business models and digitalizing in the life sciences industry. Before I go to Joe Miles to start the roundtable, let's talk to our two newcomer panelists, Sean Broderson at HCL Technologies. Sean, love to hear what you do and what is HCL Technologies. Talk to me. Sure, Bonnie. So HCL Technologies is a... $7.2 billion um, uh, firm that focuses on helping global enterprises re-imagine, reimagine their, their business models for, uh, for today's and tomorrow's uh, world. Um, what we have done recently is pivoted to address the mode one, two, three strategy both internally as our roadmap for how the, the company uh, goes to market, our investments in technologies and IPs, but more so for the the model that an enterprise um, is looking for in order to thrive in this age of digital disruption, as it were. Um, we do that through a number of different uh, lenses, channels, and services. So everything from digital, IoT, cloud, and automation to cybersecurity, um, analytics, uh, infrastructure, and engineering services. So it's, a, it's really a full stack uh, set of services and businesses that can meet uh, the growing enterprise's needs. My role is the global CTO for our SAP uh, business practice is, um, is to look after architecture, innovation, and product strategy, both for internally, how we go to, uh, how, how we bring those things to market and create value for our customers, as well as to apply, you know, our tools, techniques, and the ecosystem that I'm responsible for uh, with customers to match people and technology with business opportunity. So it's a really exciting and dynamic time to be working with Fortune 100, Fortune 500 customers um, and, and their journey to address the incredible pace of change that they face today. Thank you very much, Sean. Appreciate the intro. And now let's go to Rasmus Nealon. Rasmus, love to know what is NNIT and what do you do there? Yeah, NNIT is a dedicated um, Life Sciences IT company that is uh, delivering uh, IT services to uh, to both the Scandinavian uh, life sciences uh, community, but also globally. We and when I say we are born out of the, the life sciences industry, then it's absolutely not a lie because NN and NNIT stands for Novo Nordisk uh, IT. 
So we were the internal department of Novo Nordisk uh, some 20 years ago when it was span out, and now we have grown into a 3,000-employee IT services company that are delivering uh, for our clients. We are hosting and operating their uh, business applications. Uh, we are doing uh, support and maintenance on critical business applications, and then, of course, we are implementing and making sure that the, uh, the line of business in the respective pharma companies, that they understand and use the different applications. So, um, so we have been looking into the pharma industry since we were born, and we have our own life sciences institute that uh, focus on how is the regulatory bodies of the industry uh, moving and, and, and changing the industry, how is technology changing the industry and how is the different business drivers in the industry of the cost uh, pressure on drug impacting the industry and effectively also how is it that we run the IT for our clients and how is it that the, the, the life sciences industry can optimize in that. Within, uh, so, so perfectly, yeah, frankly speaking, then I think we are perfectly positioned for the today's topics because it's about technology and life sciences. Um, and the digital transformation, where we have seen that very much is both to, to solve some of the business pains of minimizing the cost of R&D by using apps to connect and enroll patients faster, but also to increase the likelihood of getting the drugs improved by using real-world evidence to, to add into the efficacy of, of the different products. Um, so that is, uh, that is what we are doing. My role is, uh, as responsible for the life sciences area is to make sure that we understand the industry and we have the right offering and the right uh, dialogues uh, together with our clients so we can make sure that their IT is running smoothly and uh, that they have room for focused on the digital transformation of their industry. Thank you, Rasmus. Pleasure to get to know you, and thank you for the overview to you and Sean. And now, Joe Miles, let's in earnest start our roundtable. Joe told me the following in his notes before the show, and we're going to run with this. Some interesting content here. He says, new value in life sciences will come from the ability to digitalize the model and accelerate innovation. We already said that in my opening. Here's where Joe wants to run with this. He says, real-world data streams from patients' smart devices will generate massive amounts of data, providing more accurate insights into patients' conditions. Talk to me about how this impacts the business model, Joe. Well, it's, uh, I think, um, similar to, the, to every other industry, the life sciences is being impacted globally in, with, with the digitalization that's going on. Specifically from, you know, the smart devices that are out there, we're all living and breathing that every day, whether it's, uh, whether it's your cell phone that's capturing uh, information about you to a Bluetooth monitor that's maybe tapping into your fitness uh, tracker mm-hmm. to potentially uh, the diabetic, diabetic patient who is, uh, has an internally uh, implanted pump who's, um, you know, digitally Bluetoothing that information and, and managing the, the therapy uh, in that regard. So I think we're just continuing to see this evolution both at a product and at a, uh, at a drug level, you know, uh, transform the industry. And, and you can look at it, you know, from a lot of the high-profile um, products that are being developed. So Novartis recently just had a tremendous announcement and approval of a, a CAR-T um, 
T-cell drug that's going to hopefully have a significant impact on cancer. One of many of these new genomic type products that are addressing and, and attacking and really teaching the body how to fight cancer in a way that has never been done before. These are remarkable products that are coming out of the genomic analysis and the genome project that was done years ago. And we're finally seeing a lot of results. In that. But if you look further, though, we're also seeing a transformation of the business models behind that. So if you start to think about um, the concept of a blockbuster drug in the traditional sense where you were taking one drug product and, and providing it to thousands and uh, tens of thousands of, of patients, that's a very different um, product than when you're dealing with uh, extracting the blood from an individual patient, treating that blood and giving it back to the patient. So the supply chains have to change. The manufacturing process has to change. The delivery models have to change. The interaction with the physician and the patients have to change. Those are radical changes. And the digital technologies are what are really enabling that. So the, on the one hand, the devices are giving us greater visibility and transparency at the patient level um, with the condition, and not just for the physician, but for the care network, the families, the parents, the children, the, you know, the brothers and sisters, whomever. Um, but further than the models that are coming out of that to support that process, to support those products, is, is also equally as transformational. And, and that goes all the way back to areas like finance, where instead of maybe taking a drug and paying for the pill or paying for the product itself, maybe you're paying a subscription amount. Maybe you're paying it based on a result. Maybe you're paying it for a variety of ways that have never been done before. But the orientation and the focus being now we have the, the ability to track these things at a much different level. Now we can come back and, and more closely align outcomes, patient outcomes, with the reimbursement levels, which is a big driver by governments really across the globe. So it's a very, very exciting and a very, very fascinating time. And, and you, as you can imagine, the, the turmoil that that's causing is, is, is significant and turmoil in both a, a havoc sense, but also in a very positive sense that uh, I think mm-hmm. it's the impact that it's having. The two sides, the two, the flip sides of the coin called turmoil. Thank you very much, Joe. Sean Brodison at HCL Technologies. We'd love for you to comment on what Joe just shared with us. Please go ahead, Sean. Well, I think that there's um, a lot of interesting themes in what and what Joe has just talked about, and you know, it's a convergence of you know other industries into uh, life sciences. So when he talks about that data stream and where that data stream comes from, you know, you're not just disrupting uh, the, the life sciences in the industry, but you're looking at uh, industries around insurance models. You're talking about industries for uh, consumer goods where these devices are embedded and where the data is created and that there's a potential revenue stream to, you know, to, to those companies, whether it's Nike or Under Armour or Fitbit or Apple or Google, right, Android, etc. Um, and, you know, I think from a patient perspective, um, you, you, you really have kind of two groups um, that are look at this in, in two very different ways. One is my information is my information and not particularly interested in sharing. Um, and the other one is maybe a bit more modern, like, hey, if this proactively helps me solve for future health problems, then I'm more than happy to share. And so how do we manage the data? How do we um, keep that confidential? How do we give the patient control over what they share and how they share it and and do that in a very um, personal way, a very secure way? So I think that's one of those things that digital transformation needs to address. The platform, the experience that the user has, the choice that the user has, you know, in the the trust or the transparent economy, as it were, and what technologies can we bring to bear to help solve for some of those challenges. 
And um, I think those are some of the some of the interesting threads around what Joe has talked about that expand this topic beyond just the simple disruption that happens in life sciences. It's what is the end-to-end experience for that consumer. Thank you very much. Rasmus Nieland, it's time for you to chime in. What do you think about what Joe started and the additional comments coming from Sean? Go ahead, Rasmus. But it's true that the, the whole product or the, is, is changing. So, so in old times, then we went, to the, we went to the doctor, then we were prescribed a, a drug, then we went to the pharmacy and got the drug, mm-hmm. and then it worked. And today it's, it's, it's going to change mm-hmm. into a, a combination of both the drug and then some hardware software, which is uh, some of the, the, the tools that Joe mentioned uh, with uh, the glucose level uh, measure uh, or your smartwatch, uh, different lenses, etc. And then uh, also all the lifestyle data that is surrounding the patient today, because a lot of the diseases we have today are also uh, lifestyle uh, diseases, and therefore also the cure is about uh, understanding the the, the lifestyle of the patient and thereby making the the drug more personalized. And and then going back to what Sean mentioned about the platform, because I think the, the winners of, of the of the transformation of this industry is gonna be the persons uh, who owns the patient uh, at the end. And is it gonna be the platforms that are uh, going out now on apps? So Apple Research they have a diabetes app where you can um, administer and, and manage your your diabetes disease. So are they going to own the patient in the future and thereby reduce the, the pharmaceutical companies to, um, to provide us of the drug, but basically um, thereby cutting some of the EBIT margin out of, of that because the value chain is, is, uh, is changing? Or is it still going to be the pharmaceutical company? Or is it the, it could eventually also be new players like patient organization companies that, that are using uh, crowd, uh, the whole crowd uh, financing model of Kickstarter to finance small uh, diseases and then develop drugs towards that. So I think the owner of the, of the industry at the very end is gonna be the one who owns eventually the data about the patient because then they can use what we have seen in other industries of, of Uber and Airbnb and, uh, and Amazon, not, uh, not to mention that if you own the data about the consumer, then you also uh, own the market. Thank you very much, Rasmus. Joe, I want you to wrap this one up. We've had some really good comments from your fellow panelists. What do you think? Well, I think it's uh, what they're highlighting is the various levels and the layers that kind of the digital impact is having. It's, I think that's, to me, that's one of the most fascinating aspects of it. We read a lot and we hear a lot about these tremendous products, these tremendous sciences that are being developed. Yet behind the scenes, there's a tremendous amount of transformation that's, that's somewhat seamless maybe to, to the patient or to the, to the consumer of what's happening in order to, to deliver those phenomenal products and services to organizations how they're removing uh, redundancies, how they're removing inefficiencies, and how it's, you know, hopefully reducing the cost of care, improving their responsiveness. And as as Sean brought up, I think it's a great point, is around the user experience and how um, it's just very, very different um, in terms of what we we used to do versus what we can currently uh, enable. And I think organizations are kind of embracing that. And I think we're seeing the concept of of an exceptional user experience being used um, in ways that had, you know, in industries that never it really occurred, but never really been relevant. Uh, and maybe it's not really relevant from a treatment perspective, 
to have a patient have a great user, you know, user experience, if you will. But yet, it's all part of that overall experience and technology enabling that. But then it, it just, as I mentioned too, that the models are being transformed, and that uh, the reimbursement models can be done more to subscription based. They can be uh, front end based, as they have always been. Uh, subscription rentals. You know, there's just a variety of different ways in which you can monetize that model, um, and it's just creating different opportunities. Um, of delivering and executing on that. And it, that's why I think it's just kind of these layers uh, that are some are much more visible publicly. Others are much more behind the scenes and in many respects are competitive differentiators for organization. They don't necessarily want a lot of people to know how they're doing some of those things yeah. because they are transformational for, for them and creating a significant competitive advantage in the marketplace for them. Transformation versus transparency. I have a quick little story to tell the three of you. I remember several years ago going to see, I guess it was my GP or, you know, with the, with the health plans, you usually pick a person to be your primary doctor regardless of their specialty if they're accepting patients. And I remember sitting down on the table and saying to my, he said, doctor said, what's wrong? And he had a little laptop on his lap, something new for him. And I said, he said, what's wrong? I said, well, the sore throat hasn't gone away and I've got this really bad pain in my shoulder and man, there's something in my left ankle. And he looked at me, he said, stop. And I said, why? He said, I can't address all of those issues in one visit. He said, what are you doing? That's too much. Just give me one symptom and we'll talk about that one. And he basically just shut me down. And I'm thinking we're talking now about transparency. We're talking about efficiencies. We're talking about personalized medicine. We're talking about a seamless experience. And I'm sure hoping that it's gotten better since then. Yes, I still do go to doctors, but not that one anymore. Amen. Sean Brodison, I'm looking at your notes here. And, and can so I keep in there, Bonnie? Yeah, sure, Rasmus. Go ahead. Uh, talking about transparency and efficiency, because there's a dilemma in the fact that at, at the old old pharmacy uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, a lot of the CIOs that we are talking to, they they lack the to to prove the benefits of the digital uh, adventure that they are moving into. So for them, it's quite difficult to 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 prove that okay, the digitalization is going to improve the R and D uh, efficiency. It's going to and how are we going to invest into the new digital models, etc.? So at the same time, they are pressured on uh, Google moving into and establishing the uh, Riley and, and going together with Sanofi to building apps about how to uh, to administer your your diabetes. And at the same time, they are being pushed on creating efficiency uh, and transparency mm-hmm. in their investment straight ahead. Yep. Thank you very much, Rasmus. And, Sean, I have some interesting comments here. I want to talk about something we've addressed on several of our other shows this week. We've talked about blockchain as a digital money makeover. We talked about blockchain and supply chain. And I'm looking at your notes, and the B word, excuse me for saying that, has popped up in your notes. Let me read a little bit and have you tell us how this all comes into life sciences. Sean says, the patient experience, which we talked about, is largely the same as 40 years ago. Millennial views of privacy versus convenience and expectations of that seamless experience we were talking about will drive change as business cases and benefits are identified. Here's the kicker. He says, digital wallets powered by technologies like blockchain digital ledgers may provide platforms to provide this seamless experience adhering to mounting regulations. Sean, there's a lot lot to unbundle in there, but let's talk about blockchain and life sciences. Seriously? Well, I think absolutely, Bonnie, right? So at its core, you know, blockchain is simply a, um, a database technology, right? A way of storing and sharing information 
uh, in a network of commonly interested uh, peers uh, in a supply chain uh, or, or value chain uh, altogether, right? Um, so, you know, I, there's some interesting things in that statement, right? Uh, and, and this is a personal frustration. So as a, as a patient, uh, if I go into uh, a doctor's office today, um, and I, you know, what are, what's the first thing they, they do when you sign at the window? Here's your, here's your form. Please fill out these 10 pages so that we know something about you. And I'm, I'm not convinced that anybody really ever looks at those 10 pages. <laughs> and if I, if I have to go to a second doctor's appointment, they don't share any of that information with the next doctor, right? Uh, everything is, you've got to fill out again yourself. Uh, and oh, yeah. some of us uh, may be pretty good at those forms, but it is an incredible frustration for me. And then, uh, because I'm not very good at filling out those, those forms, it's, you know, it's like, uh, what was the year I had that surgery? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> you know, it was a long time ago. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then annually, you know, you have to do the same thing. You've got to, uh, you know, you go back into your dentist or your doctor or your physician or whatever, and, and it's, the, you know, it's the same thing. Even in this age where we're seeing uh, independent uh, physicians basically become part of hospital networks of providers, right? Yes. Uh, even within those networks, this information is not shared. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, with regulation and, um, and some of it has to do with uh, just the way that it's always been done. Now, some, some uh, digitalization has occurred there, but it's still pretty much uh, siloed. And so what blockchain potentially could do was, is give the individual the opportunity to store that information in a very secure digital wallet and then to decide um, using uh, cryptography and tokens and, and all these you know, kind of technical details uh, how they hand that information out uh, in, in, in the network. And there's really, in my view, no good reason why, uh, you know, why this can't be something that is adopted and, and looked at as a, a way to radically change the, the patient experience. And it can start with the simple things like those forms that got filled out. But mm-hmm. the technology and the capability is there also um, to bring in some of this uh, patient data that we're talking about being monitored, you know, from your, from your Fitbit to your, your Under Armour, your Nike, et cetera, and decide, well, who am I going to share that with, right? Um, you know, uh, uh, without specifically plugging SAP here, they made a, an acquisition recently of a company called Gigia, um, and the, the mm-hmm. concept around uh, Gigia is, uh, is really that transparent, that trust economy where the consumer decides how and when they share that information about themselves. And so if you can manage that in a secure way and give patient control of that data and consent, we're changing uh, the way that they get to manage it, an app on your phone, we're, getting the, you know, we're, we're creating efficiencies in the, in the model for collecting and managing that data on the other side but with the provider. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity to look at changing the way that, uh, the, way that uh, the entire process works. Thank you, Sean. Rasmus, love to get your thoughts. We're almost ready for our crystal ball. I want to make sure we get get opportunity to pick a topic from Rasmus' list. But Rasmus, talk to me about what Sean just shared. A lot of good information in there. Yeah, but then, and I think it was a perfect example of how blockchain can can be used to to trail information and make it more personalized. And uh, and uh, and a concrete example in, in the drug development is also that we talk about that. That uh, data is is the most valuable asset of a of a drug developing company, 
And if you, we, and potentially we could use the blockchain to then to, uh, to track the data. So we, have, we would have a digital audit trail. So uh, imagine you're running a clinical trial in 26 countries with uh, 5,000 patients and you get uh, mm-hmm. data points in every second day. And you need to be capable of uh, reproducing that study that has run for, for, let's say, two years. And the reason why we need to reproduce it and have transparency is that FDA needs to trust the data. So we have full audit trail. That is quite cumbersome today with the computer validation, system validation, et cetera, but it's quite necessary. Um, so here we could potentially use the blockchain to, 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 to link it to a digital uh, clinical data asset and thereby has the audit trail uh, all the way through to the submission of the um, of uh, the drug application. Uh, so, so I think that then we treat the the, the drug uh, data asset as a Bitcoin instead of uh, of a currency. Fascinating. Joe, we're going to have to revisit this one for sure. Fascinating. <laughs> Joe Miles, I've, I've uh, asked you to come in here. So what do you think about blockchain, Bitcoin? And, and Joe, you can address what Rasmus and Sean said, but I'd also like you to talk about trust because trust is one of the basic issues of this whole digital ledger technology. Joe? Well, I think both of them are validating why I had them come on the, the discussion because they're making some really great points. Um, you know, I, I I would agree with just you know everything that they said. I would also say that I think blockchain is certainly at the at the peak of the hype cycle right now. It, it is uh, it is remarkable te- or very interesting technology. I don't think it can do maybe everything that everybody thinks it can do at, at that level. But um, we're very interested in, in how it can extend and enhance. Uh, really transform a lot of our processes and to do it much more effectively. I think the, the example Sean gave was a very simple, but yet very elegant and, and very um, transparent way of the way the technology could be leveraged. You can see that be extended across more of a consumer experience there and consumers making decisions on what information to release, whether it be health information or otherwise. Uh, but you can also see that taken further as we start to get into other areas where we think about data integrity, right? So that data integrity could pertain to um, the integrity of a product. So the serial number on the product that you're using, is that a valid serial number? And is that a valid drug that you're taking? Um, maybe not as much of an issue in mature markets like Europe and North America. Maybe in other markets, um, you know, Asia and Africa, some of those markets have major concerns and major issues with counterfeit products, especially in the areas mm-hmm. of oncology and so forth, that are life-defending, right? Um, so our ability to, to have that irrefutable um, data point, to, to be able to lock that down and be able to know within that, um, that network that we have, that distributed network, that we have a, a trusting network, we have valid information that can never be altered, um, that, is, that is a very, very valuable and a very, very interesting uh, capability uh, that can be done on a global basis and can be expanded uh, in a variety of ways. And we're starting to explore how that can, how that can, be, can be leveraged. And I think it's, it's fascinating uh, where that's going. It's, it's going to happen pretty, pretty rapidly. I think the, uh, we're, seeing the, uh, we're seeing the pace of, uh, of interest and the pace of investment in blockchain has is, is gone up. I mean, it's very significant. So I think that's going to lend itself to the continued evolution and growth of, of the technology as well as the scenarios as companies are looking more to that. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's going to, it's, we're just going to continue to see it grow. So it's a, it's a fascinating area right now. Um, 
little overhyped, like a lot of new technologies are, mm-hmm. but I think there's some absolutely some very valid and very compelling um, business scenarios that we're, we're evaluating, and science scenarios for that matter as well. Joe, I think you just gave us 90 seconds of your crystal ball prediction. So I'm going to say, yes, Joe, thank you for the prediction because we are running late. So you just did it. Thank you very much. Sean Brodus. And and when we get to you, Rasmus, I have something from your notes I want you to talk about as a future look. So I I will guide you on that because there's something here I really want you to talk about. Sean, 90 seconds. Give me your prediction. Crystal ball officially open. Go ahead. What do you see around the year 2020 that will change dramatically on this topic? Sean Brodus and go. Well, I think uh, the you know the, the the big move in in this industry is around personalized medicine uh, and uh, you know an outcome based focus. And in order to accomplish that, uh, using digital transformation and the tools that that represents, um, the first thing you need to do is take a, a step back and look at the end and design with that mm-hmm. experience across the user value chain in mind. Customer, consumer, supplier, partner, regulator, um, employee, you know, there are lots of pain points throughout the entire <clears throat> user value chain uh, that you can expose and address to, um, to help with this personalized medicine. Um, and it's a complicated thing, right? So we're talking about adopting these data streams that were discussed at length today. Um, well, those data streams have to make their way to patients and providers and R&D firms, product management, uh, into manufacturing, into the services that are rendered by the, by the companies, um, uh, you know, all the way out to things like digital twins and the ability to manage and monitor both the, you know, devices as well as reports and, um, uh, and applications that gather the data and everything from patient trials to, uh, to real live um, um, treatments uh, like um, um, cancer treatments, etc. And so, you know, looking at how the digital thread and how that data can be unsiloed, but also managed uh, securely and with permission to unlock the potential is a really big uh, challenge, right? Um, and so I think uh, technology and the digital platforms will allow some of that to happen. I think it's uh, easy, easy as we go. Joe talked about rapid change. Um, there, there is the opportunity for rapid change, but validation remains a critical governor of innovation um, around digital transformation for for this industry. Um, you know, you Thank see a you, lot Sean. of talk and hype around AL, yep. uh, AI and ML as an example. Uh, can we really apply that to this industry and where uh, very, you know, very cautiously um, understanding that we need, we need to have uh, guaranteed outcomes? Thank you, Sean. I want to make sure we have time for Rasmus Nealon's prediction. Rasmus, I'm going to read one statement here, and I want you to just use that as a 60-second prediction. You say drug device diagnostics will be merged into a digital drug. Instead of searching the Internet, you'll be searching your blood. The results will appear on your smartwatch delivered by disease-detecting nanoparticles. Is this going to happen by 2020? Give me a 60-second overview. Rasmus, go fast. Actually, I think so. Uh, Google invested into it uh, two years ago. Uh, so actually, they are looking into uh, these uh, nanodetectors that then can be put into you. You swallow a pill, then you will have it in your body, and then they will detect a disease much faster than they do today. So it's going to be diagnosed in the very early stage of the disease. And then when passing by your smartwatch, then you will uh, see on your You'll get a, a text message with this. We have seen some signals here. And then you'll go into your app store, and then you will uh, 
download an app that will recode these nanoparticles into some uh, yeah, um, disease-curing uh, particles. Maybe not 2020, but I think it's an illustrative point of how the industry is going to change. And that is going to impose a lot of changes to the traditional pharmaceutical industry. And we will see who is going to win that that battle. Uh, is it going to be some of the tech giants of uh, of Google and Amazon uh, that is developing very fast into that and bypassing the traditional industry, or is it going to be the old-fashioned uh, pharmaceutical industry that is need to to cope up with a new way of producing, a new way of developing? Um, but one thing is for sure that it's also with the growth of the so me generation that is so used to digital uh, and asking Google for anything. They are. Then I think in the in the future they are going to ask their smartwatch. Thank you very much, Rasmus. Sorry to rush, but we're out of time. Joe Miles, great panel. Shout out to Michelle Schuf. Sean Broderson, pleasure to have you back on Game Changers from your gig with me, your your abbreviated one at Sapphire. Rasmus Nealon, pleasure to meet you and all the best. Let's do my call that's to action. Way. This is thank you. This is the end of our broadcast week. So fasten your seatbelt. Whatever you're doing this weekend, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Joe Miles, just like Michelle Schuf, just like Sean Broderson at H. Technologies and just like Rasmus Dealand at NNIT. And a quick shout out of appreciation to Kevin, our engineer extraordinaire. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great one. Talk to you next week on our next live Game Changers Radio. Bye bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Life Sciences, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, Tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.